G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2. Well, friends, we are looking at the wonderful topic of the resurrection of Jesus. This indeed is the theme of John chapter 20. We're near the end because there's two more chapters, John 20 and 21, all of them having to do with the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. As I said, it is the central event of the gospel, the Bible, the Christian faith, and of human history. Without the resurrection, there would have been no Christian faith, and it's amazing contribution to Western civilization, giving us the kind of world that many of us were born into. John chapter 20, the resurrection, this particular lesson is about the empty tomb. And remember that the theme of this entire series is the Son of God. How do we know that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, that's what the Gospel of John is about. It's not merely telling the story of Jesus' life. It is an apologetic seeking to persuade with undeniable facts and arguments that Jesus is the Son of God. How do they do that? Well, we've learned. John did it through the seven signs or miracles that Jesus performed, not only bringing benefit to the recipient, but pointing to his true nature. It was done also through the I am statements, like I am the bread of life, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. It was done through the five witnesses found in John chapter 5. For example, John the Baptist is a witness to the identity of Jesus. The scriptures are also, as well as God the Father, as well as the miracles, as well as Moses himself. And then, of course, there are the amazing titles given to Jesus throughout the Gospel of John. First of all, saying that he is the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now we have the resurrection itself, which is irrefutable proof that Jesus is the Son of God. We learn in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 that Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. Praise God for all that. So with all this, we are looking at 
John chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. Our lesson is called The Empty Tomb. And I want to read a couple of verses or more to you. John chapter 10, and it says here in verse 4 to 6, So they, that's Peter and John, ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeing the linen clothes lie. So, what you have here are two disciples. Both of them are witnesses to the empty tomb. One of them at this point actually enters into the tomb. The other just looks at the door. And they both notice, not only has the stone been rolled away, and the tomb is empty of the corpse of Jesus, but bizarrely, the grave clothes are still there in a neat and orderly manner, almost as if they were supernaturally evacuated from the body of Jesus. And the part that was wrapped around Jesus' head is folded and lying neatly at a different location to the initial grave clothes, or the ones that covered most of his body. We're going to see some other intriguing things happen, all of them with eyewitness reports, be it Mary Magdalene, or John the Beloved Disciple, or Peter. These are people who staked their lives, and even risked their lives, or even gave their lives, for the veracity of the resurrection. If you study carefully 1 Corinthians 15, which is totally devoted to this topic, Paul is saying this, if there's no resurrection, there's no salvation. But Christ has risen indeed. Let me now read to you the entire portion from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. Our lesson is called The Empty Tomb, based on John 20, verses 1 to 10. Let's listen to the word of God. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Our reading is from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 10, and our lesson is called The Empty Tomb. Well, let's begin. The stone has moved. We have just seen over the last few lessons about the passion of Christ and what Jesus endured for our sakes. His arrest at Gethsemane, his unethical, if not illegal, trial by the Sanhedrin, condemning him to death because 
he was forced to admit that he is the Messiah. And then on top of it, there was the issue of Pontius Pilate, who normally would practice Roman justice. Well, we would think he would. But in this case, he, with his weak character, did expediency. In order to satisfy a murderous mob, he handed over an innocent man for the most horrific type of execution, and that's crucifixion. Jesus endured six hours on the cross, which in one sense, believe it or not, was mercifully short because people could be hanging on crosses for days before they died. But even there, his enemies mocked him. And then at the very end, after he was already dead, he was pierced on his side. The passion had now finished. Jesus has died for the sins of the world. His body was wrapped in linen and 100 pounds of spices placed in a brand new tomb nearby from the place of crucifixion, and a large stone was rolled in front of the entrance of the tomb. Now the Sabbath was over, and faithful Mary Magdalene, a witness to the crucifixion, now wanted to visit the tomb. Other Gospels, especially in Luke, say that she wanted to add more spices and linen clothes to the body of Jesus, since the initial wrapping on the eve of the special Sabbath was done in great haste. It was so early in the morning that darkness was still outside. Then, when Mary gets to the tomb, she becomes very shocked. Why? Because the stone that once was in front of the tomb was not there. It had been moved. Who moved the stone? And what did it all mean? Well, what it meant is what we read in verse 2 of John 20. Missing body. Mary wasted no time. She ran to the two top disciples, Simon Peter and John, the latter being referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Though Mary had accurately seen that the tomb was empty, her conclusion was erroneous. That some external party had come, rolled away the stone, and stole the body of the Lord. Furthermore, she admitted that she didn't know where they had taken the body. So, what do you do? Peter and John decided to see for themselves. In John 20, verse 3, remember, this was all very early in the morning, either right before or right after the dawning of the day. The passion of Jesus had been a heavy-duty period for all who had followed him. The only reprieve from the intensity and horror of the Passion was the Sabbath day rest. Now that the Sabbath was over, and Mary had just given them an alarming report, the stone has been moved, the two disciples decided they needed to go and check out things for themselves. So they were two men on the run. In verse 4, the whole episode, of course, is laden with both anxiety but excitement. Like Mary Magdalene, the two disciples did not merely walk to the tomb. They ran. The difference is Mary ran from the tomb, but they ran to the tomb. Apparently, John was the faster runner, 
and he arrives at the tomb of Jesus first. And then it tells us in John 20, verse 5, stooping down. This is a rather interesting point because the cave slash tomb was spacious. There was probably three chambers, one the viewing chamber for the grieving friends and relatives, then the chamber where the deceased was laid, and then the other chamber was where you stored the ossuaries, the stone carved boxes that put the bones of the deceased within after, of course, decomposition. So three-chamber tomb, but you had to stoop. Why? Because oftentimes the entryway to the tomb was small, like one meter high and three-quarters of a meter wide. That's why John stooped down, and Mary would do the same in verse 11. Here, the beloved disciple noticed two things. One, the tomb was indeed empty. There was no body inside. However, two, there was something very unexpected. Jesus' grave clothes were still in the tomb. Again, this is not what they were anticipating any more than the moved stone or the empty tomb. What did it mean? John decided at that point not to enter into the tomb itself. Why? We don't know. Maybe he was too stunned to do so, or he did not want to defile himself by touching dead grave clothes, or simply to show respect for the deceased, who by this point is not deceased anymore. So in verse 6 of John 20, Peter himself goes into the tomb. He's an impetuous and adventurous man. And Peter followed Mark to the tomb. But unlike Mark, he enters in. Peter also noticed the grave clothes lying in a pile. And there was something else, another important point that we need to make. The head covering. John 20, verse 7. The story gets deeper. Another piece of information, key information, I would say, was granted. The grave clothes sat in one section. The headcloth, which also covered Jesus' face, was wrapped on its own and lying in a separate location, possibly where Jesus' head was positioned. If thieves wanted to steal the body, which of course is not what happened, but had they wanted to do so, why would they remove the grave clothes and leave them in the tomb? There was an orderly arrangement to the grave clothes. Remember, they, they were composed of many linen strips laced with spices, and they seemed to remain in place, as if the body of Jesus merely evaporated and the linen was all that was left. But then something very important happens. In John 20, verse 8, John finally joins Peter inside the tomb. When he saw the setting, the empty tomb, the separated grave clothes, he then believed. Or as it says, he saw and believed. Let's go back into the story here of the Gospel of John. Isn't this exactly what happened to Lazarus in John chapter 11? First, Lazarus rose from the dead, of course, inside the grave. And then second, the grave clothes of Lazarus were removed, although it happened outside the grave. In the case of Jesus, 
the grave clothes were removed in the tomb and remained there. Or at least we can say the body of Jesus separated from the grave clothes in the tomb. For the Apostle John, the penny had dropped. This man, who was such a close associate of Jesus, who witnessed many great events in the Lord's ministry, as well as heard his wonderful sermons and discourses and words of wisdom, he understood the implications of what he was looking at. John saw it and believed. After all, if removing the grave clothes was good enough for the risen Lazarus, it's got to be good enough for the Lord Jesus too. So just as John outran Peter to the tomb, he was the first to believe in the gospel of Christ, and then Peter would follow afterward. What do I mean that John was the first to believe in the gospel of Christ? Well, he believed that Christ died. After all, he was a witness to it. He believed that Christ was buried. No question there. But now that the tomb was empty, but the grave clothes were there, he knew that Jesus had rose again. As I said, Peter would follow soon thereafter. And then in verse 9 of John 20, Scripture and Resurrection. For the others, meaning Mary Magdalene and Simon Peter, they did not yet understand the Scripture, that Jesus must rise again from the dead. Both the Lord himself and the soon-to-be outpoured Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost would quicken these resurrection scriptures to them. If you want more insight about this wonderful doctrine of the resurrection, which is the centerpiece of the Christian faith, I urge you to study 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is dedicated to the doctrine of resurrection, of which, without a resurrection, there would be no new birth, no salvation, and only a lost eternity. Again, that reference is 1 Corinthians 15. Well, this has been an exciting morning for the friends of Jesus, and they really didn't know what to do. But what we're going to see is that in John 20, verse 10, Peter and John are stunned, processing everything, and they go home because apparently the glory of the resurrection will continue to be revealed to them step by step. As for Mary Magdalene, she probably came with Peter and John back to the tomb. She didn't go home. She stayed there. And by staying at the tomb, she would be privileged to the most amazing thing of all. She would be the first person to encounter the risen Christ, at least that which we know of. So remember that our message, this lesson, is called The Empty Tomb. And our lesson for life is this. The empty tomb is the initial proof that Jesus rose from the dead. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.